Today's guest is David Huzeran. He's one of the founders of Strange Loop, a video production company located in Westtown, Chicago. He's also the founder of Deep Sounds, a music licensing platform that focuses on supporting music creators in a time where the perceived value of music is pretty much zero. So to set up this conversation, we are talking about the rise in price of film equipment during the pandemic. How, how much do you think it jumped? Can you... I would say like at least like 50% at some point. Wow. Yeah, like more than it was because... Can you talk in the microphone? Yeah. 50%. So like what were you looking at? Like cameras? It was everything, dude. It was stands, lights. Don't you already have all that? No, we did. But yeah. we sold it because we were like, hey, we need money right now and oh. we're not doing any production. Yeah. It was the same thing when all these like car rental places <laughs> sold all their cars and they're like, wait a second, we want those back. Now they're double the price. Yeah, that's crazy. So I don't think anyone saw that one coming. Yeah. Then what did you end up doing? Just paying we double? Just, we didn't buy it back. We were just renting now. So oh, okay. yeah, we like changed our whole model. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So what was your model before and what's your model now? Well, before our, the idea was we wanted to own pretty much as much gear as possible. So we could be completely reliant on just ourselves, be able to minimally rent when we needed to. But now that we're basically doing productions all across the U.S. and not really shooting that much here in Chicago, it didn't really make sense to own our gear. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So you'd go to San Francisco and rent from... Yeah, you'd just find like the rental yeah. shops there. I feel like the whole world is heading towards that model, right? Yeah. Like, so, like own less and just rely on sharing with other people. Yeah. Was it mainly local gigs in the beginning and then it turned into a national thing? How did that happen? Yeah, when we first started this company, it was basically like, hey, anything we could get, right? Yeah. Like it was event videos, local events, local corporate things. And it was just in the Chicagoland area. How long ago? So we started Strange Loop in 2014. Okay. So it's been almost, it's like eight years, almost a decade. Wow. Coming up soon. Yeah. That's actually not that long ago. It feels like a lifetime ago to me. <laughs> <laughs> feels like two lifetimes ago. Yeah. So now do you have a lot of business coming in after COVID is kind of dying down? It's different. Yeah. Um, How? It's very scattered. Like yeah. there's not really a pattern anymore. So yeah. for example, after 2020, like pretty much all of 2020 was a loss for us because we legally couldn't even be in production because remember they had those limits of like no more than 10 people in uh, a room. Yeah, that's right. You know, and our productions are like 30, 40, 50 people plus sometimes. Yeah. So it was like, okay, well, we're not going to be able to work. But I had a bunch of buddies who were basically one-man bands, which is they pick up the camera, they shoot, they edit, they mm -hmm. produce, they direct. So they did very well in 2020 because I think that model shifted towards like, oh, well, we just get a guy or a girl and film this whole thing and we don't need a 40, 50-person crew. We just need content. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we just need something. And then in 2021, the first half was like, man... Like nothing was really going on. It was like a super slow start. And then the second half was like the busiest time in our, the history of our business. Like we couldn't even keep up. You know, we were working seven day weeks just to, just to get through it all. And wow. on one side, it's super, super exciting. You're like, man, we're rebounding. We're somehow going to have our best year ever, yeah. you know, from a financial perspective. But on the flip side, you're like, man, I'm burnt out now. You're like, I'm not even, you know, it's like when you haven't hit the gym for two years and you try to get, <laughs> try to do the weights you were doing before, yeah. like that's how it felt. It's yeah. like, there's no way I'm going to be able to keep up. And I think a lot of people have felt that. It's like this year has been a lot of people just admitting, hey, I'm just burnt out. <laughs> yeah. So 
for people who don't know, Dave is starting a company called Deep Sounds. And he's also, what's your role in Stranger Loop? I was like one of the founders. I directed a lot, yeah. mainly produced now. Okay. And by the way, are you going to have intro music on this yeah, podcast? Yeah. Are, are you going to get it from Deep Sounds or just? Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> just I actually created it. music for this okay. podcast. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm excited to hear what you got in that. <laughs> So like you were burnt out. Are you not doing strange loop stuff? Are you? So to be clear, I've been in a constant state of burnout for the last 10 years. So it was just like oh, normal okay. for me. But I could yeah. see how like okay. if people, <laughs> people weren't used to that, you know, yeah. it was like a hard thing. So yeah, it's kind of crazy timing because right as 2020 was hitting, Deep Sounds was just a concept. At first we were like, hey, I have a bunch of friends that make incredible music and I want to build like some sort of a, website where it's like a music library and they could like upload their stuff and get it licensed because one of the big things in our industry it's like it's, it's always hard to find good music that you could afford yeah. you know there's like all these other different services but the music always sounds like stock music or it's just like eh. yeah so there's only so many places where you can get really really well done music that isn't stock music that's like something you would actually listen to outside of an advertisement yeah. like you know? what are those websites uh I don't want to plug them right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to plug my competitors. All right, cool. Yeah. cool. But, uh, <laughs> but they exist. And yeah. I, I think um, it kind of started as this really small idea. I was like, mm -hmm. it's going to take me five minutes. I'm going to spend like a couple thousand dollars to like hire a web developer. <laughs> and now it's been like over two years and yeah. we've built this whole platform. It's one of those things where, I, you know, Everything I do is like, hey, I could get this done in like five minutes. And then I just keep mm. wanting to evolve it and make it better. And as I was building this, I, I didn't have a music background. Like my background's always been in, in filmmaking. You know, I went to school for filmmaking. I, that's what I've been doing for, you know, pretty much since high school. So as I was understanding like everything related to music business, I started to also understand that a lot of music artists are getting exploited mm -hmm. <laughs> pretty badly. And I kind of saw what the music industry is, what the music industry is becoming. Mm -hmm. And I kind of wanted to build something that's a counterpunch to that. Because the goal with Deep Sounds is basically, hey, you're an independent artist. You would you know, apply to join our roster. We would approve you. And you can start uploading your tracks. It's basically like, in a way, YouTube for music artists. You have an account. You can upload your music. You tag it. And it gets published. And we also want to give different tools to artists to be able to help promote themselves, get discovered, and find different ways that we could monetize outside of just licensing a music track. It's like, hey, are there other opportunities out there that we could help them monetize their music? So how are you different from these other... Let's not talk about the ones that are <laughs> fucking up artists by doing this crazy subscription model. But how are you actually helping artists in a different way that these other platforms aren't? So I don't think it's the subscription that's hurting the artists. I yeah. think it's the idea of giving your music away forever. So mm. with the Deep Sounds model, it, everything you upload, you retain 100% of the copyright. You retain full ownership of your music. We just help you get it licensed. We but help you monetize it. that's what these other it. sites are doing, though. Some. They're, some of the bigger ones are paying the artists up front, like $500, $1,000. Oh, they're they buying own, the track? They're just buying the track from huh. the artist. And they have it forever. And they've yeah. built these giant libraries. I mean, some of these companies have raised, you know, tens of millions of dollars. Yeah. And our model is always let's split as much as possible with the artist and let's let them retain ownership of the music. Yeah. We want to build a place where you're happy staying here. If you're not happy, if we're not making your money, go somewhere else. Like, yeah, we, yeah. you know, we're not, we don't want to own your stuff, cut you out, give you a little bit of money. We want this to be sustainable. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that I'm very, very interested in building. Cause if you look at like tech in the last 10 years, right? Like so many cool things, you could order food off your phone. You could get a ride anywhere. You know, you could do so much off your phone, but from a economy standpoint, like we've just kind of shifted from people being able to have, you know, a full-time job, having benefits, a pension, this to like everyone's becoming like a gig worker. And I saw that happening with 
music artist. It's like, oh, cool. Like, here, let me take your stuff. We're going to make millions. I'm going to give you pennies. And it works for them. It works for the business, but yeah. it doesn't really achieve much success for the artist. So that's something that we're really, really focused on is like, how do we make this sustainable? So right now it's like most of these sites, someone buys something, you get something as an artist. With our model right now, by you just submitting tracks to our platform, you get a small piece of the pie. So we kind of had this idea from the beginning of being like 80% capitalistic, 20% socialistic. Yeah. It's like, how can we build this environment where an artist can still get monthly tracks as long as they're contributing, as long as they're being a part of the Deep Sounds family, mm-hmm. how, how can we make this work? Yeah. I want to help you by not promoting <laughs> other sites, but there's one called... Okay. <laughs> it's, it's the name of an animal. Okay. I'm sure you know which one I'm talking about. So they don't own the music, mm-hmm. but it sounds like they have a lot of people going to their website for their music. Like they have unique music. I'm a part of it. And honestly, I don't, I don't like that website because the last time I got anything from them was, I want to say two years ago. I oh, got wow. like a $1,600 check for them using my track once. Okay. Like, were they like transparent with what was going on? Or did you just get like a check in the mail and you're like, No, cool. no, yeah. They, it, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was for Apple used one of my music for some Instagram post. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's my dissatisfaction as an mm-hmm. artist, right? There are two pieces. One is the people who are actually purchasing the music, film people, people who make videos. Yeah, content creators. Content yeah. creators. And then there's the people providing the, yeah. the music. Yeah, there's two sides to this coin, and that's been the, one of the most difficult ones because I'm on the other side, right? I'm a content creator. I, I, you know, make videos. Which I for think is perfect because you understand the customer. Right. I would assume you would know how to get the customer. And for me, I don't understand content creators because I'm not one. I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm an artist. Right. Well, that's not totally true because I create content, but mm-hmm. I make my own music too. Right. But I get but what like, you're saying. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So I guess my question is how are you different from that animal name? website (laughs) (laughs) i'm beginning to think you work for him now it's like you're slowly plugging him no but uh (laughs) i kind of want to answer that question by getting into the genesis of why i even wanted to create deep sound so in the film world when we started our company it was like 2014 like the the industry was going through like a huge transformation the idea of posting on social was still like it, today it's so common to think like anything that's made is going to be posted to social media it's mm-hmm. going to be advertised there it's going to be pushed i mean most people our age are getting advertisements through social media digital means not tv but back then it's like they just had these giant budgets give me for a like year TV, like 2014 when we started okay and we were on the transition cost of it right so we had people, even in our first year, you know, we were like a small company. And once we started working with like advertising agencies and bigger brands, people were apologizing for having lower budgets. And when they said those numbers for what the budgets were, they weren't low budgets for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe they were low budgets for people that were used to a lot more money. Like give me numbers. Whoa. So for like productions, you're talking about like $200,000 was considered like low budget for a video production. For how long? Like $150,000 was considered low budget. And now today that would be like on par. For like a minute long video? 30 seconds, a minute long. And back then it was one 30 second video, right? It was one one minute long video. Today it's like, okay, you're going to shoot something. You're going to create, you know, five 30 second spots. You're going to create three 15 second versions. You're going to create this. So there's like so much more volume that needs to be produced. So Mm -hmm. people were saying it's like a race to the bottom. Every year, budgets would go slightly down and asks would go up. Okay. So the the requests were like, we want more for less. I see. Every yeah. year. So you're saying that the 200 grand is going down? Yeah, that's just kind of a, a, a rough figure. But, you know, just to get into that 200 grand, as a producer, it's like we have what we call like a, a line item budget. So like you have 
a line item cost for like the director costs this much, the cinematographer costs this much, the editor costs this much. This is how much music rights are going to be. So when I look at these budgets, it's like there's enough money to pay everyone. But then I go and see some of our competitors and they're like, hey, pay $200 a year and you could use our stuff for anything forever. Mm -hmm. And as a content creator, that might be great for me because I can exploit <laughs> uh, music artists and then make a bunch of money on top of that and not have to pay money, right? Like everyone doesn't, everyone wants to pay the cheapest price possible, but I think there's a, there's a social cost to that. There's a, there's a bigger cost when we do that. And it's like, as a content creator, like I want to charge a fair rate and make a sustainable living. Yeah. Why wouldn't I want everybody that's collaborating with me and helping me build this also want that. Yeah. Let's talk about the social cost. What's the cost of doing that? We're talking about the cost of lowering the price right. of the artist's work. I mean, just think about it. It's our entire focus, like every single politician, every single person is like, you know what? We need to make sure we have healthcare for everyone. We need to make sure everyone has a living wage. We need to, but their actions don't support any of that. You look at budgets going down, it makes no sense. These companies are making more money. Mm -hmm. So we're not getting a piece of the pie. We're not getting the same piece of the pie. The rich have only gotten richer. And I believe in capitalism. I believe in like, hey, if you put in work, you should be rewarded for it. I don't think everyone should get paid the same amount of money. But at the same time, I don't believe in corruption. I don't believe in a world where like, if you're contributing more every year, but you're getting less, it kind of sounds like a Ponzi scheme to me, right? Yeah. It kind of seems like something's something's off there. Yeah. So. I mean, how has it been for you as like a, a musician, like making money in the industry? Like, do you, have you been able to make like constant? Fuck no. <laughs> Fuck no. Well, that's why I, I pivoted to starting a podcast and I'm working on creating a way to create content for businesses I believe in. Mm -hmm. So I'm learning how to do Final Cut Pro and create videos and create TikTok videos. I'm working on social media for my partner's business. She's a therapist. Mm -hmm. So that's my pivot. So when I think about cost, these people who are really taking advantage of these artists, I think the cost is they're going to realize at some point, they won't realize it right away, but at some point these artists are going to stop because it's not sustainable for them. Right. Either they're going to go somewhere else, maybe it's deep sounds, or they're going to pivot their life so that their life works mm -hmm. like things can't keep going down like interest rates can't yeah. keep being low it's got to come up at some point right right something's gonna crash the pendulum swings yeah um but here's like the counter argument to that right and i'm yeah. just being like devil's advocate yeah, like okay like you're all right you're gonna pivot and by the way you make incredible music like the stuff that i've heard and is on deep sounds like incredible so the fact that you have to do all these things to still get by is like ridiculous but um i, I lost my train of thought i go i go into these rants man and they're like i, was, I got <laughs> the coffee good. going over here what was your question again <laughs> there, there was no question you were going to be devil's advocate oh, to my devil's point. advocate thank you so what everyone tells us is like oh well you're gonna stop doing it but there's this the next 18 year old kid who's gonna do it and mm -hmm. they don't care they don't have a mortgage payment they don't have this they don't have that so someone's gonna do it someone's gonna create the music someone's gonna create the content and we're just going to get it cheaper from them. Mm. And I think it's just this, this idea of like passing the buck down. It's like this idea of, hey, I don't want to pay the cost and I'm going to find a cheaper alternative. But at the same time, I wouldn't want that done to me. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like these people don't want it done to them. So I think the social cost is everybody is focused on, hey, how, could I, how can we make more profit? How can we drop our costs? How could we do this? But it's like, why would you want to live in that world where people are suffering economically? Yeah. Why would you want to live in that world where everyone needs three full-time jobs to get by? And it's like, yeah. you're creating that. Like these. This is my retort to that. I think there is always a point where a majority of people wake up to the fact this is not working. So I'm really into sustainable farming. The rate at which commercial farming is destroying our land is really crazy mm -hmm. and it's destroying our topsoil and we need that for 
nutritious plants to grow to feed us right so as we keep destroying the land more people are like oh shit we need to <laughs> save the planet we we need to feed ourselves to be healthy and to grow and mm -hmm. like people are getting sicker and sicker and there's a point where a few people will start doing things that are healthy right like for me I'm trying to push things that are healthy because I feel like we're fucking shit up. Like you mm -hmm. are trying to help artists and you're like, oh, it's fucked up out there mm -hmm. for artists. So I'm going to try to help, you know, we're right. doing this shit. We're waking up and there's going to be a point where it's going to spread because more people are realizing it's fucked up. It, it can't always, there might be a dark ages and we might die out in the fucked upness, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So it's, it's, it's going to come back up to life. Yeah, I definitely think there is that pendulum swing that's happening right now. It's like we've kind of swung so hard in one way. And at first, it's not noticeable, right? It's like, oh, we're doing this. We're doing, oh, oh, wow. Okay, this feels like it's not working. <laughs> yeah. And I think 2020 and the pandemic was like the final punch to kind of take it out. And people are now realizing like, hey, uh, I'm off this hamster wheel now it's like oh i don't want to go back to my job i don't want to do all this to get by maybe i downsize right like maybe i'm paying too much for rent maybe i should live in this other city maybe i should just go and get a farm somewhere in the middle <laughs> of nowhere yeah. and just farm and make that so i think it's good that people are thinking about this and at the same time it's like i really like technology and what it's done for us and you know the conveniences the ability to connect people i mean how cool i still think it's unreal that I could video chat somebody for free on my phone that's like in Japan right now, instantly across the world. I mean, like there's so many really, really cool things that technology has done, but there's also a lot of things that's scary now. Like, you know, I was watching this uh, podcast that had Mark Zuckerberg on it and Mark Zuckerberg was talking about like the metaverse and like all this stuff that's being built and people are going to have meetings in the metaverse and VR and all this. And I'm like, why does anyone want that? That feels like the pendulum has swung way too far on that, right? Well, people want that because I think most people's lives suck. You think the solution would be to live in a, a digital world? I don't think that's a great solution. Mm -hmm. But I think because people are so, you know, they want that dopamine, right? The screen is, it triggers Like something. validation. Yeah, they, they want to feel good. Yeah, wh whatever that thing that makes them feel good on the screen is, right? Like that, why, why do people play video games they're in this virtual life where their life is good and it's easy to access that thing whereas and when they come off the screen it's like oh shit i need to get food somehow i need to you know like the reality of life can be right but it would be one thing to be like a superhero in the metaverse mm -hmm. but do you really want to have a business meeting like if you work in corporate america right now do you really want to have a business meeting in the metaverse? Like that, that's kind of what they're also pushing is like every single thing yeah. would be through this. So, you know, first it was like in-person meetings, right? Then we like transitioned to, you know, conference calls. And then now it's Zoom, everything's a video chat. And then like the next iteration of that is, hey, it's going to be, you're in VR and you have your avatar and you have clothes that you bought in the digital. And I'm just like, I don't know, maybe... I'm just past that age of thinking that's cool, but it just sounds crazy to me, right? Yeah. yeah, it sounds crazy to me too. And at the same time, maybe it's because we're outdated. You know, think about your parents and their relationship mm -hmm. with the internet or even right. when Facebook first came out. I remember when Facebook first came out, I'm like, no, I'm on MySpace. Why do I need Facebook? You know, I don't understand. I'm not in that way of thinking. Yeah, but and maybe don't you think that's also like a false analogy? Like people always say, that, like my parents uh, didn't even use that. I'm like, technology's so fast these days. So we're not talking about generation to generation. We're talking mm -hmm. about like three years. Yeah, <laughs> you know, within three years, like everything changed. And I remember, like my fall off was when like TikTok happened, and everybody mm -hmm. was using TikTok. I'm like, what the what's what's TikTok? And I used it. And I'm like, what is this hell that I'm in right now? <laughs> like, what is happening here? Yeah. And going back into like being a content creator, 
my ultimate goal is to be making feature films. And when you think of a feature film, it's a long format thing and you spend a lot of time, like an average film from concept to release is like three years. Oh, wow. From like coming up with the idea, writing it, getting the budget, casting it, pre-production, production, editing, film festivals, wow. thrown out there. It's a big process and you have to really care about that idea. You know, you have to really care about what you're making, especially if it's like an indie film and it's an art and it's not just a paycheck. It's like, mm-hmm. you really have to care about this project. And I think that allows you to have an opportunity to explore that and grow. And I think a great filmmaker and a great artist will always go into an idea to explore it and not necessarily be like, I know all the answers. Mm -hmm. Like that's the cool part of it. Yeah. And I think all this short form tech and it's gotten shorter, right? Like first it was like, Oh, people watch movies. And it was like, okay, it's like TV shows. Like, okay, it's going to be, uh, you know, uh, 60 second Instagram videos. And then like Quibi came out. Thank God Quibi's not with us anymore. But do you remember Quibi? Mm-mm. No one does. It came, <laughs> it was around for like three months, but their, their whole thing was like, we're going to do TV shows and they're going to be under 10 minutes and they're going to be super snackable content. You know, it's mm. snackable TV. When you go into TikTok and it's literally like, just like a hit, it's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's over before it started. Yeah. And I'm like, this doesn't allow people to like explore an idea or, or even think you're just digesting something and you're moving on to the next topic. It's like yeah. this ADD culture that we live in and, you know, taking all this in, it's like, how does, how does the metaverse, how are these tools actually benefiting us? Cause in a lot of ways, what we've discovered in the last five years is that social media has a really big dark side when it comes to mental health, misinformation. And we're like, we're not stopping and saying, Hey, let's take a break. Like, this is bad. This society's crumbling. Let's rethink this. No, what we're doing is we're doubling down. We're tripling down. We're building a VR world where the same people that couldn't control social media and let it turn into a disaster are also the same people that are going to be gods in a virtual world. Like, I'm, I can't believe I'm even saying this out loud. <laughs> you know, it sounds crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like it's going to fall apart who knows? I mean, it's been falling apart, right? Like, yeah. Ooh, well, but I, I feel like, because I grew up in a religious family where we believe that Jesus is going to come again, the re- people are going to be raptured, you know, mm-hmm, that whole thing. Right. And it, it never happened. Right. Right. We're, the predictions we're, never come true. Yeah. 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 So I just, I feel like there's a lot of people that believe something is going to happen, even o- about the economy and like smart right. people predict something and it doesn't happen like that. Or right. people predicted COVID is this whole situation is going to turn out in a certain way and it didn't really pan out that way. I don't, right. I don't think we really know. You know, what, what was crazy when 2020 happened is like everyone had, you know, it was pure chaos and nobody knew what was going on. One of the craziest things, you know, talking about the economy predictions was we had that one day where the stock market crashed 30%, which was one of the you know, worst stock market crashes in, in our history. Mm-hmm. Everyone was panicking. And we literally shut down. I mean, this was only two years ago, but people were we've shut down every single business. And it should have caused a catastrophic <laughs> economic failure. And right now we have the best stock market ever. You know, like on paper, the economy is doing phenomenal. Yeah. But don't you also think it's, you know, we, we live in this world where everything is kind of like, like detached from reality. Mm-hmm, like, have you, sure. did you see uh, the movie uh, Don't Look Up? No. What's the premise? Uh, premise is this uh, scientist finds out that the comet's about to come and destroy the Earth. And, you know, they present this information to the president. And it, it's a satire. And it's it's so absurd but when you're watching this movie you're like it's not that absurd because it this kind of accurately reflects what's going on in the world right now and one of the big things that i connected to i don't want to spoil the movie but one of the big things i connected to when i was watching this film is how everyone puts on like a cheery face to bad news <laughs> you know it was, yeah it was like oh this comet's coming down huh well <laughs> You know, and then they pivot to like talking about celebrities like, oh, what's this? This celebrity broke up with her boyfriend. I felt that during COVID. Like, 
I was like, guys, like my business shut down, the economy's falling apart. It turned into like, you know, this racial tension that happened in the summer of 2020 and like cities were getting burnt down and there was mm -hmm. so much anger. I was like, wow, this is, this is like crazy. This feels really negative. And everyone wanted to put a positive twist to it, right? It's almost like, can we accept the fact for a second? Do you know what I'm talking about? I lost you. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't really listen to the news or have a news feed that I look at. Okay. Um, I'm too, I'm too connected is the problem. That's what you're saying. <laughs> I should just turn it all off. I should just turn it all off. I, I don't know. I, I think there's positives to both sides. So how disconnected are you? Like what's your like day-to-day -day life when it comes to getting information or news or social media? So my social media, I specifically chose certain people that I want to see so that it shapes how I think about the world, how it, how I think about myself. So I wanted a more positive feel to mm -hmm. my life. So I cut out everything except for things that are about like work hard, be responsible for your life. Some things about spirituality, some things about, so I want to have land that's beautiful. So things that I want to cultivate in my life. That's what I built my f Instagram feed around. Sometimes I look at TikTok and TikTok, it's about like what's happening with technology and stuff like that. I mean, I hear about news like Ukraine, whatever. Like I do know what's going on, yeah. but I'm not, I'm not on Twitter. Right. Like Twitter is a- there. See, I think we're having an interesting conversation because we we look at the same thing and we see two different things. And mm -hmm. I think that's kind of the crazy thing with, with social media. It's mm -hmm. like when I go on Twitter, there's so many, there's a lot of insanity that happens there. But there's also a lot of great thinkers and a great mm. ideas. Yeah. So I think you're kind of getting to an interesting point, which is like you can curate your life yeah. in a way where you only want to allow positive things yeah. or, or things that you that have a meaningful impact. Yeah. Positive impact. Or you could go down the drama, doomsday thing. But I think the big question is, don't you think those negative things eventually will impact you? I think so. At, at a certain point, it depends on what the negative thing is, mm -hmm. right? Like knowing that, oh, the government is shutting down all businesses. Knowing right. that is definitely helpful around my business. I guess I'm, my, my point is like how, because I would love to be disconnected. I would love to just like take six months and not listen to any news and like just stare at the ocean mm -hmm. <laughs> for six months and just cleanse my brain. But at the same time, I feel like we're so interconnected to it, right? Like if I'm a, if, you know, for the business that I'm doing, I can't be disconnected from knowing what's going on. I would have nothing to contribute, right? Like yeah. I wouldn't know how you fit into this world. And, the, and, and I, I think what's happening is everything is evolving so fast where you don't even know your place anymore. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah. hey, I want, this is, this is my identity. Like I'm, I'm this person, this is my job, this is what I do, I'm gonna do this till I retire. That reality doesn't, it seems like it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, I don't agree? think it does, yeah, yeah, I don't think it does. I think what's happening right now is, really quickly, people are having to find their community where they can feel that sense of safety because there's so much information, what is true, like nobody fucking knows. But I think that's why Joe Rogan, like there's a huge community around Joe Rogan right? Because they feel safe in that bubble. And what we're talking about reminds me of, there's a monastery, I don't remember the name, in New York. And the way that they support the monastery monetarily is they train dogs. And it's been around for decades, right? It's been around through the world wars. And that place, they, the guy, I don't remember where I heard this, but the guy's like, yeah, the world keeps doing its thing and we're still here <laughs> training, training dogs, dogs, you know? And that's, yeah. that's how I feel is like the world is going to do what it does. And when it comes up to my front door, I'm going to have to deal with it. Right. And I think a wise man would see it coming and be prepared as much as possible. It's kind of like, uh, you know, is it ignorance is bliss, right? Like if you don't know about it, but it's also like, do we need to have an opinion on everything? Yeah. You know, like everything requires you to have an opinion 
And what's really weird in the last three or four years, it's not only you're required to have an opinion, but you're required to have the right opinion mm. instantly at that time mm -hmm. without thinking about it. And I don't know, it's just it's just been very, very weird. I I kind of regret this. I wanted to create this documentary in 2010, like this idea about outrage culture. Not 2020, not 2022. I had this idea in 2010 because I started to realize like, why are people just like, I feel like people just find anything to be upset about and angry about. And this was like early, early social media. And now it's kind of turned into this, uh, you know, it's, in, it's, it's insane, you know, mm. there's division. It's actually causing, you know, families to split. There's so much chaos that's happening. Friends are fighting with each other online and disagreeing with opinions. Yes, there's things that you should really care about, like ethically and morally. But for the most part, like if you're going to forget about what you really, really cared about in three months and move on to the next thing, is it is it really worth having an opinion on every single thing? Because if I'm a social media company, I want everyone to have an opinion because I make money, right? Mm -hmm. It's user engagement. Yeah. And I want people to be upset. I want drama. I want all this. But if you're Enoch trying to have a happy life, yeah. like, is it necessary to have an opinion on everything? And I think that's like the big question a lot of people are asking. It's like, it's like we live in this giant echo chamber constantly where we have to affirm each other's beliefs or disagree with them. <laughs> yeah. It, it's complex. Because the thought that comes to mind is everything has a role in nature, right? The daisy has a role. Mm -hmm. The oak tree has a role. The deer has a role to make the whole ecosystem work, right? The bacteria, they all do different things and they see the world differently, very differently. And in the same way, I think no one person can see reality as a whole. There's right. no way, right? We all see a sliver of the pie. And I think what's happening right now is people don't realize that that's just a sliver of the pie. And if we all just realize like, oh, let's see how they're viewing the world on their end, sliver of the pie. I think it's just like listening and compassion and empathy and um yeah i think you, i think you bring a good point it's like these days everybody wants to say their opinion and talk at somebody mm -hmm. it's what you just described is a rare thing where somebody's like tell me how you're feeling like yeah. why do you feel that way i'm interested yeah. i want to know more why do you think that is why do i think what is people want to judge other people yeah. and not ask questions and understand where they're coming from. Yeah, I think that's an issue of how they were brought up and their sense of self. If I felt like I'm good, I have space to listen to the other person. Or I think um, it's, it's complex. I, I, I don't think like what I just said is the sliver of right. the pie. And I think each individual person has their own journey, their own story. And maybe they didn't have enough love growing up, or maybe it's the food that they're eating. So they don't have the nutrition they need for their neurons to fire a certain way for them to experience right. joy, right? And it's just, they're stressed out of their gourd because they don't yeah. have the nutrition to have their hormones balanced so that they can experience oh, life is good. Or right. maybe it's also like they're in front of a screen all the time and you know they're not able to step out and experience a more expansive experience mm -hmm. of life because they're so narrowly focused on the screen. You know, right. There's all these different elements. Maybe they're not interacting with other people and feeling that connection. So they feel like, yeah, let, you know. I think that's an interesting thing. Let's talk about that because like that, that connection in the last two years with like the pandemic and like social distancing, isolating, no meetups in person, like how do you think that's impacted all of what you're, you're getting at? Because I think that's huge, right? Just having that human to human interaction, that's a basic necessity. It's like yeah. when you put people into solitary confinement, you know, we have the science on that. Like people go crazy, people become violent, people become, you know, anxious and depressed and act erratically. And yeah. I don't know the data, 
But what I know from my experience is me and my partner, Laura, just for the past four days, we've been doing this practice at night where we hug each other. Like we do yoga together okay, and we like touch each other. And at the end, we ask each other, hey, where do you want to be massaged? And, you know, she like lately it's been I need massage on my hips. I feel like it needs mm-hmm. some touch. Right. So she's been touching me and then I've been rubbing her back and. Part of it is we embrace each other. We wrap our legs around each other and we just embrace each other. And that's transformed our relationship, right? Touch. And now we have more understanding of each other. Last night, she wrote me a note and left it on my bed saying, I fell in love with you a lot more this week than before I love you. And I think the touch thing had a huge part of it. Who hugs anymore? (laughs) Right. You know, well, we were told not to, right? Yeah, like that was the craziest thing with, with that is like, don't do these. And I'm like, I, I don't know. It just it felt it's crazy tough. to say that. It's tough when you believe like, oh, this is deadly. Right. We're spreading death by touching each other. Right, right. That fear, and I, I couldn't understand because it comes from a pl- place of compassion, right? You're like, I don't want to. By not doing this, I'm not hurting somebody, and I don't want to hurt somebody. I don't but think for all people. I, I'll bet you it's a minority <laughs> of people. It, it's complex, right? Yeah. Some people feel like, I'm right. Fuck you. Yeah. Like, there's anger in their thing. Like, fuck you. You're not doing the right thing. It's like, they're more about dominating the conversation or being right and making right. others wrong than actually cultivating connection, feeling connection, and having people heal or, you know, right. the road getting to a better place. And I think that's a lot of what's going on right now. Yeah. I think it kind of uh, connects to what I was you know, talking about earlier, where people are more focused on judging somebody than asking a question like, Hey, mm-hmm. w- why do you feel this way? Like, let's, let's talk through this. And yeah. that communication, I've just noticed it through my personal relationships and other, other people's having conversations with me about their relationships. And it's like, People don't want to talk. They want to just tell you. And if you don't agree with them, they want to shut you out. Yeah. And that's why I think it, it stems from their sense of self, right? When you're having a conversation, let, let's say, quote unquote, debate, right? Right. For instance, I challenged you on deep sounds, right? Like, how are you different from these other guys, right? And I wasn't coming at it as like, I'm trying to make you wrong. I, I'm curious, right? But on your end, it can definitely come off as I need to defend deep right. sounds. I need to like, this guy's trying to dominate me versus like, oh, that's a good question. Let's explore that. How can we actually serve art? You know, there's a different yeah, place. There's that two you, ways you can take yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like most people aren't willing to debate. They're just calling each other like, oh, whatever the, the name <laughs> is to bring down people. Right? right. They don't debate because they don't want to feel that trigger of you know, that trigger is there for a reason. Mm-hmm. That's something that they need to work on within themselves, right? If, if we're having a conversation and you bring up something that goes against what I'm saying, I can feel like, oh, th- I need to have a wall up mm-hmm. because this guy's trying to dominate me, right? But that's my own sense of low confidence or whatever the fucking mm-hmm. thing is within right. me. But if I was like, I'm okay, I'm fine, then that feeling wouldn't be there. I would just be like, huh, that's a good question. Let's explore that. What is the truth? Right. Right. And that that's like a big point that I like being challenged and I like challenging other people, mm-hmm. not because of uh, an ego thing or a dominance thing. And, you know, I'll use deep sounds as a, as a context. So like when we were first starting this out, it's like you, you want to explore the idea. You want to, other people can be, your other brain, right? Other people could help you think about things that maybe you didn't see. They could be your devil's advocate. They could do that. And that actually helps with complete exploration of idea, maybe finding flaws, maybe thinking like, wait a second, the idea I had was bound for failure because I didn't think about this one thing. And that happened a lot. When we were putting together the, the platform and the different outcomes that could happen, I think those conversations were, they weren't fun. <laughs> but they were necessary. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes for anything, you know, whether it's a business, whether it's your like friendships or personal relationships, 
you're gonna at some point you're gonna need to have that tough conversation but what's interesting is in the past we always you know if you watch other movies and other tv shows like they encourage that it was like you're gonna get to that point but that's fine but now if somebody doesn't agree with what you were just told last week <laughs> then they are a bad person mm-hmm. and you need to shut them out of your life like it's just i don't know i feel like everyone's kind of become a little bit more extreme everyone's become a little bit more like closed off and i've been trying to understand why i've been trying to understand like what is causing us to not want to have those conversations because those conversations actually help us connect with each other and, yeah. and connect as a society a couple years ago we had this video idea for youtube it's called offline it was like taking two people that have different opposing opinions and putting them together to have an unfiltered like 30 minute conversation and what we realized from that was that at the end of it, people were actually more friendlier at the end than when they started if you just put them face to face and they just had this conversation. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, you, your opinions, like once you explore an opinion enough, like you'll just be worn out. Yeah. You're like, oh, dude, I, yeah, yeah, I guess I really care about that. But do you want to go like have a beer right now? <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I think like just just talk through it. We're not. You know, we're not each other's villains. We're not trying to destroy each other's lives. Yeah. And I even think like you know, what you brought up earlier about like challenging my business, like the way that I look at what's happening with tech is everything is interconnected now. Like what's really, really cool is our platform is using other platforms to create deep sound. So through like APIs and collaborations, some are free, some are paid, but we're able to like use each other to help build this like unique thing. And I think that's a really, really cool idea mm-hmm. opposed to like the old model where it's like business A competes with business B and they try to compete and destroy each other. Like, I don't know. I just feel like it's like such an archaic model and that we're heading into such a interesting time period where we could look at collaboration and have the means to do it, you know, like have the technology to do it. Not to go too off topic here, but just this idea of um, like Facebook and Google, right? They make the vast majority of their money through advertising. And that advertising is really on your, your computer, right? The advertising lives on your, your phone, your computer, your device, and they're selling your data to, to do that. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's, it's a gray area, but I think what would be cool is if we had this world where it's like, hey, we're actually using your screen to advertise to you so you get a cut of this. Like, what if you could use Facebook and make money? What if you could use Google and make money and I mean, like have a more what, shared economy, you know? That's what Web 3.0 is trying to do. Yeah. A, a like, lot of people, yeah. Like in the crypto world. And I think it's it's really, really cool. We're definitely like in the beginning stages of it. I think most people, when they think of crypto, are like Dogecoin and Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the fundamentals, I think, can produce a, a really, you know, a better society. And I think one of the cool things about crypto is like, if done properly, it's uncorruptible in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always going to be politics. There's always going to be people. But Taking the power away from people and institutions, I think, is necessary mm. to move into the next chapter of our society. Because as we've seen, if you give people too much power, you give institutions too much power, they will always end up doing the wrong thing. Yeah. It's tough because it's such a complex conversation because there, there's something to be said about the competency of a great leader, right? That really helps the community that the leader is leading. But then after a while, there's going to be shitty people after the churn. But why give those shitty people access to power, right? Like, why give them, why give? Because they're great at convincing you that they're going to make you feel good about your life. Right. I, I understand why they get elected and why they assume, but like, why are, as a society, why are we giving them? Like, for example... Half the country for the last, you know, so many elections has hated the other president, right? Has hated, the, disagreed vehemently about the other person. But when you become president, you have access to nuclear bombs. You have access to, you're the commander of the military. And we give them, one person, that power. And we're like, we're going to vote them in. So I think the idea of the crypto, you, you know, and it's like, 
I don't think anything's ever going to be a utopia, but I think there's just good standards and practices to apply to minimize yeah. damage. With crypto, it's like you can limit the power institutions have. Yeah. You could limit the power of this. Like if we really truly wanted like a real democracy, right? You could vote through the blockchain, right? And you know that every vote is is legit because it's using blockchain technology. And you also know like it could be instant, right? Like, hey, do we want do we want to raise our taxes? No. Do we want to do this? No. Do we want to do build this facility here? I, I don't even know what positive thing you could the government could build, but whatever it is, right? Yeah. Yes. Like there's so many things that we could use that that technology and those standards and those ideals to help with the next chapter. What I'm getting is like a single person, like, and that's kind of what our constitution was built on, right? It's like a, this idea of checks and balances, not one institution or one person has too much power. And then we completely threw that under the bus and we're like, okay, no, we're going to, we're just going to allow corruption to happen and we're going to allow this. And I feel like the, the amount of voices out there have been limited, even though there's more people, even though that we have social media, it's crazy to think that ideas have been limited. They yeah. haven't been unrestricted and social media for the m- most part. And maybe I'm looking at it from a, like a, a very like cynical cynic. Cause I think there's a lot of positive stuff that does happen. But when you look at like the societal damage, like a lot of social media was used in a way to kind of like hurt societies. Right. You don't know. Cause you're not on social media. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it made a positive impact. Yeah. On certain parts of society. Like, I found Gary V through social media, and that's <laughs> been a positive impact in my life. You like Gary V? Yeah, I think he's great. Why do you like him? He keeps pounding the message of empathy and compassion and treating yeah. people right, thinking long-term versus short-term. He gives massive amounts of marketing strategies to the masses I just think he... But do you think himself, do you think he's a... And I I don't know him, like I don't, Mm -hmm. I'm not judging him, but do you think he's practicing what he preaches? Do you think he is... I don't know. Yeah. I like his message though. Right. Yeah. You like the marketing? Yeah. Yeah. I I like what he's telling people. I don't know his personal life, but... Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's like an interesting idea to kind of explore. Is like every, you know, I'm... I could get very cynical sometimes, but I could also be very optimistic. Mm. I think like the cynical side is people like, oh, well, these people don't live their values and they Mm. don't do this. And it's like, well, if somebody like if you're getting a positive reaction from what he's saying and it's like improving your life, Mm -hmm. you know, is there a bad side to this? Yeah, I I think there's a dark side to everything. Right. Even ourselves, All of us have a dark side. Yeah, exactly. So there's probably a dark side to Gary Vee. I don't know yeah. what it is. A lot of spiritual gurus have huge mm-hmm. dark sides. And I don't think that's ever going to go away. Mm-hmm. I think just it's like... Human nature, yeah. Yeah. A forest fire, there's ashes, but that's also nutrition for the ground to grow back into a new forest. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's a metaphor for, for life. I like it. I think that's a good way to end the podcast, yeah, right? That's good. I, wow. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. Today's guest is David Huzeron. 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 I don't know. Huzeron. But where do I inflect, dude? Huzeron. Who's Iran?